This is Suzanne York with Humans Optimized. We specialize in change management for technology adoption by bringing together advancements in technology with elevated human skills. Our aim is to cultivate human-to-human and human-to-technology collaboration. This combination will allow us to take advantage of the immense opportunities in the future of work. A new employee's first week on the job is critical to their longer-term success with the company and to create a sense of belonging within the culture. Many activities that week involve a myriad of paperwork and administrative tasks that need to be done by both the new hire and the human resources team. What if these tasks could be automated to allow for a truly people-centric onboarding experience? Joining me to share how this idea can become a reality is David Secunda, founder and CEO of Workbright, an HR tech startup that moves traditional employee onboarding to 100% remote process that workers complete before they even arrive. David, thanks for talking with me today. Hey, Suzanne, I am thrilled to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Oh, absolutely. Well, I love the idea of taking away tasks that are not human-focused in order to be more human-focused. <laughs> I hear you. As you were going through the uh, the intro there, I was like, oh my gosh, this this could be such a boring topic, talking about the administrative tasks that need to be get uh, you know uh, under undertaken to get somebody into their first day of work. So I'm going to do my best to, to really bring some insights and some inspiration to your listeners. Oh, fantastic. I love that. Well, and many HR professionals are not necessarily inclined to think about ways to eliminate some of the work that they do um, in favor of using more technology. So we'll have a, a great conversation about how to bring to light the possibilities that people may not even realize are out there. Yeah. And let's also talk about what those things are that are important not to automate and hold on to. I think that'll be a, a nice turn in the conversation a little later as well. Oh, excellent. Great point. Yes, I'm a big proponent for making sure we, we stay true to what, what should be done person to person. Exactly. So, well, we've all had a bit of a crazy year and much of our work has become remote, but your company's objective for remote onboarding has existed well before the pandemic. And having talked with you before, I also know that it'll continue well past it. Mm-hmm. So what is the mission of your organization and the history behind it? Yeah, well, it's, you know, it is a little bittersweet being here to talk to you and your listeners in the midst of pandemic when all of a sudden there is a, a newfound focus on this area of, uh, of remote onboarding. Um, it is sweet because we've spent the last seven years kind of developing solutions that were initially intended for employers who primarily were working with uh, a remote workforce or a distributed workforce. So from the get-go, that's the way they were interacting with their employees. And that was the case for me in the last company that I started. We were hiring hundreds of people in a short period of time in a highly regulated format with a distributed workforce, and we had to do everything uh, remotely. And there just were not great solutions out there. And that was the impetus to start Workbrite. Um, but it is bitter that uh, that it is having this this newfound resurgence because of the pandemic and because we as HR professionals are now facing a necessity, uh, at times a life and death necessity, to really reevaluate what we're doing with our employees and decide what has to be in person and what we can leverage technology to accomplish. And I think what we're learning overall is there's a lot that we can do with technology. And um, as, as I think is the true truth for all of us when we think about the myriad of changes that have happened through pandemic, many of these things will go away, but many of them are here to stay. I 
personally, I'm not going to get on a plane for a one-hour meeting probably ever mm-hmm. again. And what, yeah. we're, what we're really seeing with our customers is as many of these new customers are coming to us in a time of pandemic in order to deliver a, a completely remote onboarding solution. Uh, and yet they're looking at this as a change for the long run when they really think about, again, what is most important um, to do face-to-face with employees and what is not only more beneficial through technology leveraging, but also uh, more positive of an experience for an employee than walking in their first day and being sequestered in a fluorescent lit room with a, a pile of paper as their first introduction to your company. Well, and and so much, you're right, has been reevaluated this year because we've had to. And now we really get to be selective and deliberate about what we want to. So to your point, what's sticking is just is going to be very important and impactful. Absolutely. Yes. So for for the work that you do, what has you targeting this particular workflow within what companies do? Yeah. So first of all, you know, let's talk about for a moment what this word onboarding means, because it's a little bit nebulous. People toss it around all the time to to mean, uh, again, a, a number of different things, everything from, you know, that first day of work uh, to a meaning that covers uh, the, the point at which you decide to hire someone till nine months after they've been working for you. So there's, there's a huge variation in there. Um, you know, for the purpose of this discussion, I kind of want to divide it into, into two parts. One we'll call the tactical onboarding. And that's what you as an HR professional need to get done to get this person working as quickly and as frictionlessly as possible on their first day of work. Um, and then there's a whole other part of this, which we can call culturally uh, cultural onboarding. Um, equally as important, uh, but potentially with some different aspects of it uh, as, as far as how you kind of achieve those cultural onboarding goals. As far as what Workbrite does, we have focused on the tactical onboarding side of things. Those uh, administrative tasks that you actually must get done in order to get somebody to work as quickly as possible, only because we found that is where the greatest leverage point exists and where we can take things that previously took an immense amount of time and um, an immense amount of uh, of what I would call the time that HR professionals do not like to spend, the time that is mere, you know, mired in in administration and ticking and tying, and and removes that. Um, and then those aspects of cultural onboarding, some of which you can do with technology, uh, but many of which you're going to want to keep on the uh, uh, on the side of the the table, so to speak, that you continue to do in an in-person format, or at least in a live one-to-one person format overall. You know, what we found when we went into this is that most people, as as I'm sure your listeners know, uh, because you are working in the HR industry, most of you came into the HR industry because you enjoyed working with people. You want to make a difference in people's lives and in their careers. And unfortunately, what many of us learn is when we get into the industry, that uh, a majority of our time, and sometimes a vast majority of our time, has nothing to do with people. It is ticking and tying documents, filing uh, policies, procedures, those sorts of things. And so we, what we went after at Workbrite was the automation of those things that are the bane of the HR professional's existence. Um, and so we find not only kind of a tactical speeding up of the process, but also 
I'll just say an uplifting process overall where HR managers can finally get back a portion of that time that uh, they've lost and, and spend it with employees on a one-to-one basis. Oh, that's fantastic. Do more of what you love exactly. and, and, and figure out how to do the rest. So the solution, I'm sure, really appeals to HR managers and, and the people doing the work. What is it like when it comes to embedding the technology into their companies? Is there a tech component where the technology team gets involved or how, how does this work? Yeah, Workbrite is a is a lightweight, best-in-class solution that is focused on onboarding. And we cover the point of the employee lifecycle from uh, the moment the decision is made to hire this person, um, typically until all of that information moves into um, the payroll solution on the other end. Uh, Workbrite is set up so that it can be used as a standalone. And for many of our customers that employ the contingent workforce, so those that are part-time seasonal temporary or contract workers, we are their exclusive HRIS solution. So everything lives in Workbrite and, uh, and that's it. So they might use an ATS and then either import or uh, bring an employee into Workbrite or use one of our integrated solutions once they're in Workbrite, all the onboarding takes place, and then um, at, at the tail end of that, move data into uh, the payroll solution, once again, either with one of our integrations uh, or using our API to, to move that information across. And um, and so it has a pretty lightweight and fast implementation. We can get most customers up and running, even those that are hiring tens of thousands a year, uh, typically in two weeks or less data, um, you know, digitizing all of those forms, but not only digitizing them, really looking at them and, um, and kind of bringing our experience of best practices in the HR industry to take a look at the forms that you're bringing to your employees and make really, I, I would say, informed recommendations to you about what you can do to make it easier, faster, and better uh, for your employees' experience and for your data collection as an employer overall. And once that's implemented, uh, we really are built for volume. Everything is automated in our system. So to add an employee, you can put in as little information as simply their email address and their name, choose what groups they belong to. And so this would designate what types of form sets they would be delivered. And this can be um, groups that involve the region they're working in, the type of work they're doing, the division of the company, for example. Um, all those forms will be then driven to that employee and they will receive uh, reminders to nudge them through that process with increasing frequency and urgency as they <laughs> approach their various deadlines. Um, and so we've really tried to take those, those tasks that often result in an HR manager having a ton of post-it notes on their screen of different people to follow up with and the like, and, and totally just build that into an automated solution. That's a great image. The 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 post-it notes all around the computer screen, then they get to go to go away in service of a more efficient process. That's that's what we deliver for sure. Yeah. Well, and the the I can picture the ROI is pretty easy when it comes to the story yeah. of it. Mm -hmm. But what are the ways in which you help customers recognize why this investment is so critical? Yeah, I mean, boy, there are so many different reasons. Of course, as you said, the ROI is is pretty clear. And we actually have a spreadsheet on our site that our customers download where they can actually do a calculation on the ROI if they're, especially if they're using just paper-based methods now, when they look at sheerly the the time involved in data entry into various systems, filing of documents, 
et cetera, our solution is, is usually a very small fraction of the cost of the actual time um, and, uh, and dollars that are put into a traditional onboarding system. So there's, a, there's a, an immediate ROI there that uh, employers can recognize. But also in these times of pandemic, we have solutions that are um, really just going to enable your workforce to get out there and working. Uh, I think that we have the industry-leading remote authorized representative technology that allows your employees to um, kind of designate an authorized representative to sign section two of their I-9 and to do that in a fashion that is incredibly highly compliant, um, running a number of fraud checks, uh, but is also incredibly simple. And that is uh, the thing that is, is making this an industry leading solution is that other remote authorized uh, representative solutions out there are putting a huge burden of complexity on that uh, layperson, And our system has really, really simplified that while at the same time increasing compliance. So those are types of things that, um, you know, just are, are really game changers in the industry overall when folks are not uh, able to walk into your office. Right. When you talk about compliance, then another question comes up around security and privacy. Yeah. And that's evolving both for HR and IT. And so what are what are ways that you talk about that with potential clients? Well, first of all, I, I mean I talk about it just from my personal commitment to safeguard the right. uh, you know, the PII, the private information of of your employees. We take that as our central responsibility and as our utmost responsibility uh, to to our customers. So, um, you know, as a company, we focus on it. We train on these things. We uh, we do an annual critical incident uh, simulation that actually has our entire team work through um, different simulations of of, uh, of issues that could arise. Um, it's the reason that we took on our SOC 2 security audit, that we were GDPR compliant early in the game. Um, those are all, you know, kind of external audits of our of our security practices. And they just give you a, uh, an indicator of the internal priorities that we have on just really safeguarding employees' information. When it really comes down to it, um, you know, unfortunately, the HR industry has been plagued with vulnerabilities that are not only from electronic systems, like historically the most common way that employees' information, their private information, uh, ends up in the wrong hands is that people put HR files, physical files, either on a copier and forget them or in a recycle bin without shredding them. Uh, and they end up in uh, in the wrong hands. And so yeah. all of those things are, are kind of baked into our experience and in our focus um, to really make sure that not only we're doing a good job on uh, on security for you and your employees, but that we're providing an education to you on best practices when working in an electronic onboarding world. Yeah, that trend is really increasing the the digital workforce and um, and education is needed because some things we, we take for granted that if we as users aren't being diligent around, we put ourselves at risk too. Absolutely. In fact, I, I will add to that conversation. You know, many times our customers, and rightly so, are digging in on the on the various technology um, precautions that we have in place, uh, and we really do our best job to really focus on those. Um, but one of the most common vectors for um, 
breaches is social engineering, is, is folks manipulating an administrator with a malicious email to solicit information or usernames and passwords um, from an apparent uh, email address that might not actually be who it's coming from or a login that might not actually be the actual login. So we do really try and work with our customers to kind of understand this, this new and very uh, elaborate world of social engineering that is out there to, to their benefit, both for HR and, and everything that they're doing as professionals these days. Yes, the phishing scams have become yes. pretty um, pretty interesting. Yes. They're getting smarter and we just have to continue to elevate as well. Yes, absolutely. So there are other trends happening in the HR space. Um, any coming up that that has you inspired or interested in what's ahead? Boy, um, I would say there's both you know long term and short term trends that uh, that we keep our eyes on. Um, as far as a long term trend, uh, and and this is kind of a little bit of a uh, you know something I think we see the writing on the wall, but but I, I just want to say these words out loud that. Really, the the sacred uh, um, exchange mechanism of the HR industry forever has been the form. <laughs> you know, is like mm. data on the form, and in the long term, the form will cease to exist. And it is important to know, as HR professionals, that our job is really to collect information to verify. Um, that the person we're collecting it from is who they say that they are, um, and to verify to the best of our ability that that information is true and, collect, and, and correct, and then to move that information into various systems. And those systems might be internal systems, uh, payroll systems, they could be government systems, all those sorts of things. So over time, I think we're going to see less of a focus on kind of outputting on forms and and um, kind of what that physical document looks like, and much more of an emphasis on identity verification, uh, ease of information collection, um, the ability for information to be used across employers to ease the burden of employees starting a new job, and then the movement of that data into various systems overall. So that's kind of the the, the big picture trend there, I would say. Let me pause there before I talk about kind of shorter term trends out there. And any additional thoughts on that one? Or yeah, questions? I love the idea of a formless future. Yes. <laughs> I can buy into that. Yeah. And, you know, I think about also the the employees who are coming on, on board now and the future generations, they are so accustomed to things being formless. Absolutely. And so that's, that's going to... In, even heighten the need for this. But let's go back to your second point of shorter term. Yeah, shorter term. I mean, things that I think that we've been hearing from uh, HR professionals uh, for quite a while is really this trend for the HR role to become more and more strategic in the organization and to be one that drives strategic value, ROI, and um, and really the mission of the company or the organization. Uh, and this is one that is in some ways, um, you know, I'll be frank, it's a struggle for some HR professionals um, because uh, historically HR has been completely focused on being conservative and compliant. Like that's our job. And, and really people aren't turning to HR unless something kind of goes wrong. And then they're saying, well, did you have this policy in place? And do you have the mm. current certification? And, you know, just to make sure all these things are ticked and tied. And as an HR professional, 
you know, we've done a good job by being conservative, not moving ahead of the curve, so to speak. Now, as HR professionals are ending up in the C-suite and being asked to contribute to the business more, and we only have seen this accelerate through pandemic when all of a sudden HR is in the room for these critical decisions that are being made about whether a business is going to survive or not. And HR managers are being asked not only to um, you know, deliver that level of compliance, but really to play a role in, um, are we going to make it as a company? And where can we cut? How can we cut? How can we automate? How can we do this more quickly? Um, and at times, this might have uh, negative implications on compliance or on security, and it puts uh, HR managers in a in a difficult place. Um, and yet, these are these are kind of the demands uh, and and the job of uh, of the HR manager in this generation. So, let me just give an example. Um, as pandemic struck, often CEOs were coming to the HR lead and saying, "Okay, people are not coming into the office. We still need to onboard them." go. In fact, we need you to have that done Monday and today's Friday. So just go make that happen. And being very, um, uh, uh, you know, savvy and I I just say solutions oriented, many HR managers said, okay, I'm going to immediately convert to an email based solution. Um, and that is great. You're getting that job done. Um, but as, as we know from a security perspective, email is not a secure medium to transmit um, sensitive HR documents like direct deposit documents, social security numbers. It lives on in your sent folder. It lives on in the employee's sent folder in a way that if the email is um, uh, in the future um, gained access to that they can do a search for something like direct deposit and just pull up that information. Uh, but I, I think that I congratulate and um, and and kind of point with props to the HR managers who made that transition that quickly because it was a matter of survival for the company. And then longer term, it's our jobs to back up a little bit and say, okay, now I have a little bit of breathing space. Um, how can we get this done that might be in a more secure fashion uh, than email, but um, you know, take into account that I had to get that job done for the last few months and and boom, I got that job done. Uh, so that's just kind of a, a, a way that uh, is an example of HR managers being asked to kind of participate in this world that um, they might have to make uh, some decisions that are less than black and white about um, things that can influence the survival of a company. And permission to experiment during that time in exactly. what could feel more risky. Yes. Um, and you're right. Many, many examples and stories from early on in the pandemic required people to become resourceful. And now it's about being innovative. Yes. And so if someone is sitting there saying, okay, there is an opportunity for me to do this differently, but I don't even know where to begin. I don't know what's possible to be automated and what I shouldn't automate. How do you how do you explain that to someone who wants to get the ball rolling and just needs a chance to start? Yeah, so I'm going to I'm going to kind of take this from a little bit more of a philosophical side than a technology sure. side to start with and yeah. it's it's something that I use, you know, with my employees as well. Um, and it's just kind of taking a look at the ecosystem of how your time is spent in a typical week and, um, and, and actually going through a bit of an inventory process and looking at those things that fall into um, kind of four categories. Uh, and I will call those categories kind of your, 
unique ability, and I'll talk about in a moment what that means. And then the others are your your, your zone of expertise, um, and and that's an area that uh, I'll kind of define a little bit further as well. Um, and then those areas that you're competent in, and those areas that you're truly incompetent in. <laughs> okay, so mm, let's sure. take a look at this. So first of all, if you start at the bottom of that stack, those things that you're incompetent in are those things that it is literally a disservice to your company when you are involved in them, either due <laughs> to the uh, you know the skill set you have, the errors that are made, the um, the 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 way that you like or dislike that or dislike that particular task, so that you just dread it and and put it last in a way that it never gets done. But it is those those items that are the first to automate or delegate. You want to get those areas that kind of the that fall into your zone of incompetence. Get them off your plate as quickly as possible. The next zone up is your zone of confidence, uh, competence. I'm sorry, and sure. those things um, are are things that you can do, um, and they get done when they end up with you. But they surely do not bring you joy in your in your job. Um, that's the next area to look at areas, uh, items that you can automate or uh, or delegate um, that just kind of fall into that zone of competence. And a lot of times we spend a lot of time working in that zone of competence. And overall, you kind of want to, as quickly as possible, reduce the amount of time that you're spending there. The next one up, the zone of excellence this is a tough one. This is where you have superior skill. It's the type of thing that people come to you for because they know you're good at it. Um, but it is not really where you want to spend your time. And that last zone, um, sometimes it's called the zone of genius or the <laughs> unique ability. It is uh, comprised of those parts of your job that you have superior skill. You have never ending thirst for learning. Like you just can't learn enough. Um, but most importantly, they are the tasks that give you more energy than they take. There are those things that you can lean into and all of a sudden you come up for air and you're like, oh my gosh, that was three hours that flew by. Yeah, you know, right. Those are the things that you want to hold on to with a tight grip that you don't want to automate, that you don't want to um, delegate. Those are the ones that as you make your way through your career, you want to spend more and more time in your zone of genius or your unique ability um, and, uh, and, and really trading in all of those other areas as you go, go forward. So my recommendation is that you literally log everything you do in a week and, and put it into one of those four categories, take a look, start at the bottom of the list, get started with automation and delegation on those things that are the zone of incompetence and the zone of competence, and then just kind of work your way up the list. As you identify those things, you know, look online for solutions. There are great review sites out there like Captera. You can dig in on a particular solution, see a bunch of different providers. And I always encourage you to read reviews of other users that are like yourself and look uh, at what they're saying and what they're using. Um, that's, that's typically what I recommend in order to kind of start at the bottom of the stack and work your way up. I'm really glad your response to that was very human-centric. Mm -hmm. I think that's that's such a great way for, to remind people that it's not about the technology. It first starts with the people and the self-awareness to know where do you excel and, and where could you 
divest of certain activities, whether it's to a different human who loves that, because I find that there are things that I'm not great at that other people, it's in their zone of of genius. Um, And then when you look at the collective of it, what of it can you automate and move to to systems? Absolutely. And that's why I say automate or delegate are are kind of your your right solutions there. And um, it can be a life's work to move towards that unique ability in that zone of genius. You don't expect to get there overnight. But I think it's also a good filter to look at your advancement through the HR industry and as new opportunities arise to take a look and see if they will really leverage um, your unique ability. And those are the ones to really jump at. Mm. It's also a great exercise for a team because then you could see collectively what's the work that we could do that we don't need to do as humans. Yes. And and what's fascinating for me about that is I, I do something similar with people around, you know, where do you draw your energy and where does it um where does it zap your energy? Mm-hmm. And then what percentage of your days go to that? Yes. And it's fascinating to me how little time we spend in that zone of excellence, like yes. in the zone of genius. Yes. I've actually gone to the process of color coding my calendar of those um things that are in my unique ability so that I can look at my week and even just, you know, I'm not necessarily doing the math on it, but I'm getting a visual. And my goal over time is to spend about 80% of my time in that, um, in that area, which I color code green on my calendar. Um, and it's pretty quick for me to take a look at it and see how I'm doing on a week by week basis. Well, my hope is that this uh, meeting has been a, a green color code because I see <laughs> it as your unique ability. <laughs> it, is, <laughs> it is on my calendar as a green meeting. <laughs> oh, fantastic, fantastic. Well, you, your energy and your insights and, and just the vision that you have for this is incredible. Is there anything else you were hoping we would cover today? <sighs> well, I think um, I, I would just conclude coming back to that human-centered view of this industry, the HR industry, especially working on the technology side of it, and to just come back to, um, you know, we are working in the field of human resources, and in this time of pandemic and beyond, for us to just recognize that our job is to um, kind of uplift and work with the the career development and the tactical support of people, not just employees, of people, of humans, um, and to for all of us in this time in particular when um, challenges are so great and we're seeing such mental health challenges in our in our teams as well. To just make sure that you are looking into each person that you are um, working with and seeing them authentically and taking time to connect with them. It's probably the most important thing that we can all do as HR professionals right now. Well, that's brilliant. And who knew that we could start talking about onboarding and land with such a visionary message. So thank you for that. (laughs) You bet. And how can people find you if they'd like to reach out? Sure. The easiest way is to, to come to our website, workbright.com. And um, we have a pretty extensive blog there uh, that um, that covers a lot of the topics that we've talked about today. You can also reach out to me through the website there, um, just on the contact us side of things. Um, and that is uh, usually the best way to, best way to find me. Excellent. Well, thank you for your time today, for your green time, and I wish you um, all the best with the rest of your day. You too, Suzanne. Thanks for listening to this episode. For more information and to contact us, visit www.humansoptimized.com.